Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, Kartik. This is World Soccer Talk Podcast, and my name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer. Kartik, uh, it's been a long time, but how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you as we begin this new chapter in the World Soccer Talk Podcast and the evolution of the podcast. Yeah, it's it's a bit ironic, too, because, I mean, I started it, uh, the first one, which was back in, I think, uh, 2006. It's been, like, 10 years, basically, so it's been a long time since I've hosted it, and, uh, for those who don't know, I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and uh, I run World Soccer Talk. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we've changed formats, and uh, it, there's been a big reason for that. I mean, the Premier League uh, analysis and uh, reviews that uh, Nipun, Kartik, yourself, uh, Chris, Morgan, and many others have done have been great, have been, have been uh, top class. We, we thought it was time for a change, basically, to mix things up a bit and uh, change the format and uh, make it one of our own. So we've got, uh, basically, it's going to be media analysis, media discussion of everything uh, about talking about how to watch soccer uh, online on TV. We're going to be covering Fox, NBC, ESPN, BN Sports, One World Sports, and, and also kind of focusing more on world soccer um, rather than just the Premier League. So we're going to be talking about a ton of leagues, both in the United States, around the world, and also the, uh, the coverage. So, uh, Kartik, uh, since this is a basically kind of a, a reboot of, a, um, of the World Soccer Talk podcast, I think it's probably easier just to start off with, with this one being episode one. Uh, we've probably, in the 10 years that we've been doing this podcast, we're probably up into the, definitely the high hundreds, maybe even, even into the thousands of, of episodes. So, um, what we're going to start off with, Kartik, is just kind of having a, having a discussion about what we've been watching, just to kind of to share with the uh, listeners uh, what matches and what programming uh, from soccer we've seen on whether television, uh, YouTube, uh, online, etc. So, so Kartik, uh, let's have you kick it off and uh, let's, let's uh, see what you've been watching this past uh, week or two. Well, I've watched this incredible video on Kick TV about the Kingston Stockade, uh, which is a fourth division club here in the United States, an NPSL club that just completed their first season, and uh, they. Uh, were founded exactly a year ago, basically November of 2015. The uh, chairman of the club is Dennis Crowley, who is the founder of Foursquare. He's brought a fourth division club to his um, local town, Kingston, New York. Not a big place, a place with, I think, about 30,000 people, kind of your um, 
everyday American town, metropolitan area probably has 150, 200,000 people, and they have created this cool vibe, this community vibe. The uh, the town all comes out for, 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 for the football match or the soccer match. The way uh, American high school football uh, is, is uh, revered and, and is kind of towns revolve around it in um, – Southern in the southern U.S. and here in Florida and in Texas and Oklahoma and states like that. Just really cool to watch. And there's so many neat things happening in the fourth division of American soccer between Kingston Stockade, who we're talking about, and encourage everybody to watch the video. Detroit City FC, Grand Rapids, Chattanooga. I don't want to leave anyone out, so I'll just stop there. But there are a lot of really cool stories. And quite frankly, I'm at, I'm at the point where. If I if I want to support a local club, I want to support a fourth division club. I think there's just a lot more organic and, uh, coolness to it than uh, the second and third divisions in this country, quite frankly. So really enjoyed this video, really enjoyed following the Kingston T Stockade story and everything going on in uh, NPSL and PDL and, and the local regional leagues down at the fourth division level. Yeah, yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it definitely looks interesting. Uh, for those listeners, myself included, uh, we're wondering where where is Kingston Stockade in, in the U.S. Where uh, geographically? Kingston is uh, probably about midway between Albany and New York City, uh, just off the Hudson River. It's it's um, maybe it's a little closer to Albany. So it's as you head upstate. It's not that far from New York City. Maybe uh, 80 miles, 90 miles from New York, something like that. Maybe uh, 70, 80, 90 miles from Albany. So it's if if, if you envision taking the New York State Thruway, if you cross the Tappanzee Bridge and you you go up. Um, I-87 towards Albany from the Bronx, from New York, Bronx where New York City FC plays, uh, you're going to be near Kingston at some point, uh, midway through that drive. Yeah, and uh, as far as what I've been watching this past week, um, last week it was the Champions League, of course, but uh, my personal favorite when I watch the Champions League, uh, since my team's not in it, far from it, which is Swansea, uh, but I really enjoy watching Multi-Match 90, on, uh, on, whether it's on Fox Soccer Plus or Fox Soccer To Go. And I think it's one of those um, almost like diamonds in the, in the rough. Not a lot of people know about it. It's a, um, a whip-around uh, coverage of the Champions League. It, it, uh, it's live, uh, hosted by uh, Ross Dyer. And he does a really fantastic job of uh, taking you from uh, match to match to match as, as goals go in or corner kicks, free kicks, just, just kind of key incidents. And uh, for me, it, it really kind of heightens my experience of watching the Champions League. And I think last week's uh, was a perfect example of... Uh, it was Legia Warsaw was playing Real Madrid, and that's a match that normally, if I'm watching it tra traditionally, I wouldn't be watching. I'd probably be watching, I don't know, whatever was on FS1 or FS2 at the, at the time. Um, and that was the Warsaw-Real uh, Madrid game. What a game. Back and forth. Um, Warsaw went ahead, to, I think, I think 2 nothing or something like that, and Real Madrid pulled it back. Uh, just an incredible finish. But the multi-match 90 format is absolutely perfect because you, you can guarantee you're not missing any of the goals, any of the action. And for me, I mean, I'm a Wolf Soccer fan, as, as you are, Kartik, and I'm sure the listeners are too, but it just heightens my experience and heightens my appreciation of what's happening in some of the matches that maybe I wouldn't follow as much um, before. And, um, and also kind of just watching, of course, the, the Man City-Barcelona game, but then maybe there's the spells in that game where it's a little bit, uh, maybe in the first half, a little bit quieter, and going over to um, watch, watch the Arsenal game or which, whichever game it is. But I really, really enjoy it. And I think um, that's something that most people don't know that much about. But if you do get a chance to watch it, um, I'd highly recommend it.
So, Kartik, yeah. anything else you've been uh, watching? How about uh, Major League Soccer? Um, yeah, I watched... I watched all the playoffs, right? I've, I've watched everything uh, thus far. Well, I shouldn't say I've watched everything. I did not watch the Eastern Conference games in the play-in round, if you want to call it that, the three versus six and four versus five round. But watched the uh, all both the Western Conference games in that round and the four games both Sundays. So the last ten, uh, ten of the twelve MLS playoff games, and I've been uh, I, I've been pleased with the coverage. I think uh, Fox has stepped up, which they they tend to do around MLS and around. Uh, um, Events which don't involve uh, a heavy analysis of European football or uh, or some degree of uh, of balance and national team thing. I, the U.S. Mexico game could be horrifying, but I'm sure we'll talk about that next <laughs> week. Uh, that's on FS1. I mean, I you know, you're taking uh, Taylor Twelman away from me for that game, which is unfortunate. So um, I hope whoever Fox has calling the game steps up. But let's let's talk about MLS first. I thought they did a very good job in their coverage uh, both weekends. A little bit of a, a, a mixed bag as far as the games. Uh, Fox got both legs of Seattle-Dallas, and uh, it got away from Dallas with uh, the Mauro Diaz injury, and, and obviously Fabian Castillo got sold to Galatasaray or Fenerbahce, one of them, and one of the Turkish clubs, uh, some uh, midway through the season or during the, the summer transfer window. So uh, a weakened Dallas team, a team that is one of the best teams I've seen in MLS in the last decade. Just uh, that injury to Diaz and, and sale of Castillo killed them. Um, so that uh, that hurt Fox a little bit because there wasn't much suspense around those two legs. Now, uh, they had uh, ESPN had this second leg of the Colorado uh, L.A. Galaxy series on um, on uh, Sunday with John Champion and uh, Ali Marino. John Champion taking a weekend off from calling uh, the Premier League and and uh, English championship games, EFL games uh, this weekend to, to join ESPN for MLS playoff coverage. And uh, it was a, it was a good broadcast, a, a good game. Gashi had a great goal. Uh, kind of saw how tired and old the LA galaxy got at the end of that game. Uh, I thought Ashley Cole was still pretty good, even though he missed his penalty kick, but boy, uh, the rest of the team, uh, Donovan had to come off at halftime. He couldn't go any further. Uh, Keen looked old and slow. Gerard looked old. Uh, Lorenowicz came on. Uh, Lorenowicz is, is in his 30s. Uh, he came on. He didn't look uh, very, uh, very, very, very uh, electric. Mike McGee's in his 30s. He didn't look very good. So maybe Bruce Arena's strategy of employing all these uh, 30-somethings really caught up with them in the postseason. Uh, Gelvan Dom and uh, Ashley Cole are, are, are in their 30s also, obviously, but they're both defensive so they don't have to do as much running. Um, so that was that was unfortunate, I guess, for L.A. And I thought ESPN did a very credible job with the Montreal-New uh, York's uh, uh, Red Bull game mm-hmm. with Taylor Twelman and uh, Adrian Healy, as always. But uh, uh, New York was, uh, was pretty poor in that game. And then they had this bleed where they had to start that game on ESPN2 because the Colorado Galaxy game went, went to extra time. Uh, New York City FC and Toronto was on Fox, was on FS1, and uh, Fox got a stinker. It was uh, unfortunate. It's the bad luck of the draw with right. these MLS playoffs. That was a, a 5 nil game and 8 uh, nil on or 7 nil on aggregate. So very uh, very unfortunate for FS1 that they, they got that series. Yeah, and a little bit later on, too, we'll talk about um, the New York teams exiting the, the MLS Cup uh, conference uh, chase. And and what what impact that's going to have on TV ratings, which is going to be a a big one, a big hit yeah, for Fox. Yeah. So so one more thing, Karthik, from from my side in terms of some of the things I've been watching. Um, I've been watching the the Fantasy Premier League show, 
which is um, it's on NBC Sports app and also um, well, it's on it's on the website NBCSports.com, and um, I enjoy it. I'm actually I, I play it fantasy Premier League, um, not hardcore, not, not as much as I used to. But um, I actually enjoy watching it uh, a little bit for the entertainment value. I mean, it's hosted by James Richardson from the Guardian podcast, and uh, it also has um, Mark Southers, I believe his name is, from Fantasy Football Scout. Um, it's it's interesting to watch, even if you're not a fantasy uh, Premier League um, player. I, I think there's a lot of very stats driven, uh, a lot of uh, interesting insights, some things that you probably. Um, wouldn't necessarily hear about um, on a normal broadcast, but uh, I enjoy it. Uh, anything, Kartik, um, anything else you've been watching? Well, I guess I watched the NASL playoffs on One World Sports, the New York Cosmos and Rio OKC. Um, I like One World Sports production. I think they do a pretty good job, but uh, I, and I, and I uh, am a contractor. I mean, I, I've spent almost every day in an office of an NASL team, and I didn't know what network the game was on, which I guess is my fault. I mean, if I had been paying attention to the week, I would have known, but it's uh, very confusing, the NASL's uh, a TV deal. I, 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 at the beginning of the season, had editorialized it. I thought it was a great deal, and they could put a lot of pressure on MLS uh, with these TV deals. That has proven not to be the case, and mm-hmm. It's actually created a lot of confusion for, for myself and, and fans. Where where games are, what network, what time, uh, and yeah. it's, uh, it just continues into the postseason. And the final I now know is on CBS Sports Network on Sunday at seven or eight p.m. And that's uh, that's not great either because CBS Sports Network doesn't have a streaming platform yep. that goes with it, which is a. a, a is something that I had not thought about before the season when I had editorialized on World Soccer Talk that this is a great deal for MLS. Well, you know, uh, for NASL, you know, MLS, all of their media partners have streaming streaming components, and they also have this thing where they put highlights up right away. So if uh, if Javinko scores in the 20th minute, by the time you get to the 30th minute and you go to the MLS app or MLS website, that, that clip is up. Even if you're not watching the game live, you, you see it pretty soon after. NASL doesn't have that capability, and so these games that are on CBS, you just if if you're if you're not in front of a TV with CBS, you miss them. It's as simple as that. And it's, it's the CBS Sports Network, of course. I'm I'm referring to not CBS over the air. Yeah, <clears throat> and and that's one of the things too in terms of World Soccer Talk. One of the reasons that we're uh, doing this podcast too, kind of on a a soccer TV media. Uh, online uh, discussion points is that um, the website definitely goes more into TV schedules now than we've ever done. So the NASL, from first-hand experience, um, a lot of it is kind of uh, just a few days before the match is before it's finalized. So I think um, for the final, it had a kind of a whole bunch of just uh, scenarios. So if uh, the Cosmos went through to the final, it would be on this network. If if it was Edmonton, it was going to be on this network. Uh, all these different scenarios, and then basically, depending on who made it into the final, we'd, we'd, we'd then determine where those matches would be shown. But it's a, it's a shame, to a certain extent, it is, it is confusing. You have to kind of stay on top of it. Um, but I think they lose out in the end in terms of uh, the, if, you know, if, we, if we knew that every game was going to be on ESPN3, no matter what, uh, it definitely would be easier to find. Okay, Kartik, so let's move on now to the next segment, which is uh, TV streaming news. We're going to kind of run through these pretty quickly, just but we wanted to kind of make sure that our listeners uh, uh, you know, know kind of what's happening within the, uh, the soccer TV watching and streaming uh, world and all the options that are, are available. 
And I'll start, I'll start off too. And that's the big news that uh, DirecTV is going to be launching its own streaming product. Uh, Dish has their Sling TV product, which you don't have to be a, a Dish network uh, subscriber to get. You can just get it. You can cut the cord and watch it. Well, DirecTV is going to do, do the same thing too. So in November, they're launching a product called DirecTV Now. It's a streaming product. Uh, it's going to be $35 a month, and it's supposed to have 100 channels. What we don't know yet is what, what those 100 channels are. We can uh, basically kind of guess that we would think that you would have Fox on there and, and ESPN, but we won't know uh, until it's announced, uh, as well as NBC. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, it'll be another, another player in the market. Uh, DirecTV now is definitely going to compete against your PlayStation View, your Sling TVs, kind of a, one, one of those kind of big, net, uh, big streaming packages where if you want to watch... Um, HBO and AMC and and any all these soccer networks, you're going to have more choices out there. So hopefully they'll create a, a price war, and hopefully at the end of the day, uh, we consumers and we soccer fans will be the ones uh, to gain from that. And then Kartik, uh, do you want to cover the next uh, topic? Yeah. So um, it's, it. it it's uh, unfortunate. It's a sign of the times, right? And we're going to get more into this in this show, but 41% of satellite TV um, and uh, cable customers, satellite slash cable, because obviously direct TV satellite, if you have U-verse, you have cable or internet cable, whatever you want to describe it as, but uh, subscription-based uh, satellite or TV uh, customers are um, plan to cut back. It's very expensive cable bills, and as more and more people cut the cord, the prices for cable and satellite services are going up. And because there's no a la carte cable option uh, from most uh, cable companies, from, from all of them, basically, except uh, I believe Verizon Fios has some degree of a la carte, but you have to buy packages, right? Um, customers are, are planning to cut back, drop tiers if they have... Uh, sports pack or, or movie pack or whatever get rid of hbo get rid of showtime get rid of uh networks like bn cbs sports network uh, uh those sorts of additional channels and then um maybe eventually just cut cut the cord completely yeah and, and in the next uh news item uh, playstation view speaking of a, a streaming product um they just added support this past week for um macintosh and pc so now you can run uh, PlayStation View on your desktop or laptop. Uh, previously, it was only available on, well, PlayStation View, the, the actual uh, gaming device, but also Roku, uh, I believe Apple TV, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, but basically, you were able to kind of watch it on a select number of uh, apps and devices, your, f your phones, of course, and your smart, uh, smart tablets. And, um, but now it's available on, on PCs and um, Macs. And then Kartik, um, I think Disney and Fox, as, as um, I'm not sure if, if you've uh, heard this news, but they're... yeah, yeah, about Hulu. That's um, that's interesting because a lot of people use the Hulu service. Uh, I do to watch uh, my my wife does to watch television shows. I do to watch movies. Although it seems like the same movies Hulu has or the, uh, that they rotate through the movies Amazon Prime's rotating through. So I think there's a service that provides to both Amazon and to Hulu, but. Uh, Certainly, there's a possibility that um, the FS1, FS2, ESPN1, and ESPN2, and maybe ESPN, 
you are going to be provided to um, to Hulu, from what I've been reading. Yeah, it should be an interesting. It, it just seems that everyone at this point is, if they're not already have a product out there, um, they're quickly trying to put one together that's going to be a streaming product. And uh, it looks like Hulu is going to be uh, adding um, Disney, which which is going to be include the ESPN uh, family of channels and, and Fox. So you're probably looking at uh, FS1, FS2. So for those people who can't get FS2 right now, that could be a good option to consider as far as uh, Hulu. Uh, in the near future. I don't think a, a date has been announced about that. And then last but not least, um, just this past week, uh, Fox Sports Go, which is the free streaming product uh, platform from Fox. Um, this is different than Fox Soccer to Go, which is their uh, kind of the cord cutters uh, solution. But Fox Sports Go, you have to have a, uh, a TV subscription in order to actually watch the matches. Or watch the programming, but they just added a whole bunch of new viewing options, uh, very similar to ESPN three with the mosaic, where you can kind of watch four streams at once. Uh, they've added that. Uh, they've also added uh, picture in picture, as well as uh, dual viewing. So if you want to view side by side and have, you know, Italy Germany on one side and uh, England Spain on the other side, a couple of friendlies are coming up. They're going to be played at the same time. Uh, actually, if both of those games are on Fox, which I don't, I think one of them is. Anyway, but hypothetically, so basically you can have uh, matches side by side. Now, Kartik, on to the next segment, and we're going to talk about TV ratings, and, and uh, specifically soccer TV ratings. Uh, the big news from this past week is uh, Club America and Chivas uh, had the, the most viewed uh, Copa MX uh, match on U.S. television ever. It had 1.4 million people that tuned in to watch the game, and uh, Chivas uh, won this one, which is, uh, I think, I think the, the second uh, El Super Clasico they've won in a row. So definitely uh, dealt a big blow to uh, Club America, but uh, 1.4 million people, which is uh, the most watched um, game on on U.S. soccer, oh, U.S. television for soccer for, for soccer this past week, and then. Yeah. Uh, in other news, too, um, for the knockout round of Major League Soccer, so this wouldn't include the, um, the most recent matches from this past weekend, the conference semifinals, but ratings are down 10% uh, compared to last year. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the conference uh, semifinals, uh, the second legs this past weekend, uh, did in the TV ratings, and we'll find out that out uh, later this week, and uh, we'll be sure to report those numbers uh, at worldsoccertalk.com once those come out. But Kartik, the, the big question or the big concern here, and we kind of alluded to it uh, a few minutes ago, is the New York teams, uh, both uh, NYCFC and uh, the Red Bulls, well, New Jersey, but Red Bulls are out of the MLS Cup. And with New York being the number one TV market in the United States, do you think how much of a blow is this to Major League Soccer in terms of uh, potential TV ratings bonanza? And, and do you think uh, yeah, there's any concern here? doesn't matter. I mean, they think it matters. I, mean, I have had people from MLS tell me they wanted a New York-LA final, but I, I don't think it matters. Uh, what does matter is if they have a Canadian team in the final, which they will yeah. now. So yeah. that's that's a bigger concern. I think any U.S. team draws. Look, there are more people who want to watch Real Salt Lake on television in that market than 
want to watch Los Angeles in their market. There are more people who want to watch Orlando or Columbus in their markets. Uh, Columbus, it's a very small TV market. So maybe Columbus and Salt Lake are bad examples. Uh, there are more people who want to watch Orlando in their television market and more people who want to watch Portland and Seattle in their television markets and Kansas City in their television market than want to watch those New York teams or L.A. in their, in their markets. So MLS wants to be a big player. They want to create a splash. They want New York versus L.A. They want the star power that gives them. Maybe it gives them more overseas right because they would have had Gerard mm-hmm. uh, versus a Lampard or or uh, Bradley Wright Phillips who's a known player in, in the in uh, if it's the other New York Pirlo, David Villa those kinds of players but uh, I think for US it really makes the kind of difference they, they, they think it does yeah yeah I mean the challenge for Major League Soccer too is it's very much a regional um, league in terms of you know, I mean if there are you know, I mean so basically kind of uh, if Colorado makes it into the final against Toronto kind of a, a rerun of the 2010 final um, you know I mean Colorado fans yeah they'll be interested in watching the match but nationwide yes there'll be an interest in Tim Howard but on a nationwide side of things are people going to tune in to watch that one and would it be in Toronto even if there are a couple of star um, US players are people going to be bothered enough to, to want to tune into that? Um, and that, and on, on a local level, in terms of attendance-wise, you mean you know, whether it's Toronto getting some some great crowds, that's no problem. But on a na- nationwide, or, or basically uh, not not even just nationwide, but on a continental basis, on, on Canada and um, North America, essentially, that is a challenge to kind of get people to say, okay, well, I'm going to tune in to watch this match because I just enjoy watching Colorado against Toronto. Um, versus the Premier League, where it's you know, I mean, even if it's I don't know, Hull City against Sunderland, you still might tune in to watch that just because it's um, you know, I mean, there's the whole relegation kind of uh, scenario with both teams. Actually, there's always kind of something interesting there, and you're probably going to get more people if the match is more, more more meaningful or whatever it may be. But but the the, the viewing figure for a match like that. Uh, could be greater, probably would be greater than a uh, a semi-final. Um, you mean so MLS Cup, uh, not not because MLS Cup is going to be on uh, on Big Fox, but um, it's 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 a challenge for MLS really. It's especially with the New York teams. I think being out of the market, I think more so Kartik. I think it's more about um, media in terms of uh, newspapers, TV coverage, newspaper coverage, having New York teams playing in in a kind of a competitive. Um, Semi-final or final could definitely give them uh, some more exposure versus, you mean, the Canadian teams is going to be a tough sell. Uh, yeah, yeah. Markets. I mean, I think they, they, if they had had this situation where D.C. had gone through and uh, Philadelphia had gone through, they would have had actually an entirely eastern seaboard be a sell line. Um, playoff series right it could have been yep. actually kind of interesting but and it ended up being dc philly in in the uh conference finals i don't think they'd be sweating it as much it's having the two canadian teams which is an issue and again this is an issue across border leagues and uh, there are people I, I noticed bob williams from the telegraph today tweeting how absurd would it be if montreal wins the mls cup uh because they won't be in Concacaf champions leagues and all these teams they would have gotten past would be well that's because they're uh, a guest team 
and the slots go to each country, as they do in Europe, too, from UEFA. So mm -hmm. uh, as you know, as a Swansea City supporter, you have to qualify via uh, an English slot. Now, Montreal actually has a, a mechanism to, uh, to qualify via a Canadian slot through the Canadian Cup, which means they cannot qualify via an American slot because they've opted for that. So Toronto qualified, or Vancouver qualified this year from that. So basically, um, they are, they're out. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, did Toronto win it this year? Maybe Toronto won. I, Montreal did not win it, is being the point. So they're not going to be in Champions League next year. Mm -hmm. And they, um, they could possibly win MLS Cup, whereas uh, Dallas is in because they won the Open Cup and they won the Supporters' Shield, so they, they qualified on two things. Uh, Colorado, I think, is, makes it because they, they end up getting Supporters' Shield because Dallas qualified from Open Cup. Uh, uh, New York Red Bull will be in, and then there'll be one other MLS team, either Seattle or New York City FC, that qualify. Um, one, one other U.S.-based MLS team. So, so elsewhere now, the, the TV ratings are in for the, uh, the League Cup match between Manchester City and Manchester United. Uh, Kartik, the, the, the result didn't go your way in that one, but um, the, the actual TV view number was, was, was actually, I thought, really good. It was uh, 274,000 people. Um, that match was on BN Sports and BN Sports in uh, Espanol. So that number was combined between those two networks. But uh, for a midweek match... Um, played during office hours. Um, I thought it was, it was decent, especially for a match that uh, BN Sports definitely put a lot of hard work into the coverage, both uh, pre-match, halftime, um, and post-match. Yeah, that's certainly true. Um, terrible match. It was an awful game, yeah, but yeah. it was... Uh, League Cup games never really live up to. It's just uh, teams are going through the motions, but they did very well. They got a good rating. That's a really good number for a midweek game on a channel like BN, which is only in uh, however many homes it's in, 28 million or so. So right. uh, good, good, good number for them. Yeah, yeah. And actually, actually, I enjoyed the, the coverage that uh, BN Sports did. So they had, uh, I think they had Gary Bailey, um, and they had uh, Kay Murray. Uh, Post-match, they had uh, Ray Hudson there kind of uh, debating uh, with uh, Gary Bailey, as well as Kay, I think Andres Cordero, and uh, I also had the League Cup uh, draw too. So they kind of shared the, uh, the I think the fifth round uh, draw, um, who's going to play who, etc. Uh, the one thing, the one thing I thought it was um, kind of a negative uh, was there was just so much focus on Manchester United. I think I think uh, pretty much Ray Hudson, especially too, was kind of guilty of this. But it just like it ended up being kind of a a Man United uh, debate for about uh, 10 or 15 minutes post-match and very little insight um, into City. So, Kartik, yeah. uh, moving on, we've got to read a mailbag, and uh, we've got a few of our listeners who have gone ahead and sent in some questions. Um, so the first one I'll ask you, if you don't mind, um, and this is from Phil Mansfield, who posted on uh, Facebook. He says, uh, do you guys believe that Fox will ever be able to match NBC in terms of presentation and broadcast quality? Do they need better pundits and analysts? Well, what a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Phil Mansfield. Um, no, uh, they, they, it's, an, it's a cultural thing, it seems, at Fox. It seems to be, it comes from the top, the way they present, the way they... Um, they produce games, the angles they use, the talking points they pick, the way they their graphics are loud, their their lead-ins, the segments are loud, the way they structure their pre-game shows and post-game shows, their bumper programming. Look, uh, Alexi Lawless was fine on ESPN. 
he's he's annoying on Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Winalda is uh, is is good, but I think he'd be better on ESPN if he were still on. He's been gone from ESPN for so long now; it's hard to make that that judgment. Uh, but he's uh, he, he he was. Uh, I think he'd be better on ESPN. Brian McBride is much better on ESPN now than he was on Fox. Uh, I've heard a lot of critiques of Brad Friedel, but I think, again, it's what he has to say. It's kind of the attitude. Uh, I like John Strong a lot. I like JP, mm-hmm. but uh, I, JP was on ESPN and was probably better in, when he was on ESPN, just because there, it's it's the way you, you, you want to – people who are watching at home want to blame, blame the announcers and say, oh, yeah, John Strong, he's not very good. Maybe they say that. Maybe they don't, but it, it's it's – the kind of information you're given by your producers, it's what you're being uh, urged to say when they, when uh, the uh, production assistant is in your ear talking about things. It's the kind of the attitude and the tone of the broadcast. And Fox is nowhere near ESPN or NBC in terms of that, in terms of viewing football or soccer as a global sport and trying to present it to a global audience. They're trying to play this uh, – this USA USA card or this very kind of uh, promotion of MLS ESPN's done some of that in the past too. I think, you know what, let me, let me, let me get to the brass tacks here with ESPN. Maybe it is the commentators because I think ESPN, they presented it in a, in a different way and the production value is better. But I think prior to Taylor Twelman being the co-commentator, they were very much, seemingly in the tank also in the kind of the self-promotion mm-hmm. face of MLS and U.S. soccer. They've now got a guy that's uh, unafraid, who uh, seems at least for, on, on the surface to be much better prepared, much more informed about everything going on in, in global football, global soccer, and has the perspective of, of having uh, played uh, both in Major League Soccer uh, and overseas, even though he didn't, never got a first-team game at 1860. Uh, he's also a player that has played more recently and is not necessarily part of that generation, that pioneering generation of U.S. players that feels some degree of ownership of, of Major League Soccer and of U.S. soccer and is fe- feels very defensive and protective of it. So I, I think part of ESPN pulling away from Fox has had to do with the selection of Taylor Twelman as their, their number one guy. Harks was okay. Lalas was okay. Uh, Balboa, Cello, Balboa was okay. Uh, Winaldo was okay. But they were all part of that generation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he had something completely different, a different dynamic that, that they didn't have. So that's ESPN. Now, when you talk about NBC, you're talking about, again, a very informed uh, guy who was not part of that generation and Kyle Martino, who was able to add uh, just so much to their broadcasts. Um, and I just think... Uh, He's uh, he's savvier in the way he looks at the game, Martino, it seems, and the guys mm-hmm. on Fox. But maybe, again, it's it's uh, production. Maybe it's preparation. Maybe it's uh, the way uh, these networks networks uh, uh, conduct, you know, the, the, the tact they take with the broadcast. I, I think one thing is for sure about Fox. They're very loud. They're very aggressive with the way they broadcast the sport. And the, the types of themes they pursue, and it's um, it's interesting because when I hear Alexi Lawless teaming with John Strong or with JP Della Camera on a Europa League game, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But when you then throw him in the studio with Rob Stone, when there's this kind of uh, all this other stuff going on and all these things are trying to promote, he's not quite as effective. So uh, I, I would I would ask Fox to assess 
how they use their personnel. I think they've got some of the right personnel. I think Lawless has proven he can be very good. When Alda has proven he can be very good. Holden has proven he can be very good. Strong and JP are, are top-notch uh, commentators. They're, but they just it's just the production, right? It's its the, the tenor. It's the attitude of the network. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of those things we can probably do an entire show on Fox. So maybe, maybe we will in the future, as well as ESPN and NBC and all, all of these each individually. Um, I actually think, I mean, probably people kind of think of me as kind of Fox's biggest critic, but I, I think they've come a long way in certain aspects. There's certain things that they've done um, that they've improved upon. Most of it is kind of just the aesthetics in terms of kind of the production, how things look, um, but they're still struggling with the same issues. Um, biggest of all, really, is just it's everything seems to be so rehearsed, so kind of just um, basically kind of forced and, and just... Uh, I, I'll give you one example. I don't want to spend too much time on this just because we have some other reader questions, but everything is so rehearsed and almost so scripted so robotic that that during I think it was the Gladback against Man City match, the one that was uh, uh, postponed because of the rain and uh, Fox between the two o'clock, uh, two o'clock Eastern and two thirty Eastern was kind of given their pre-match kind of uh, discussion about the Man City game and who would look out for and what Gladback would do and this that and the other and they showed on screen they showed the TV footage of kind of the referees on on, on screen uh, on the pitch kind of walking around and. And basically, you could see, the visuals you could see was that they were uh, postponing the game, canceling the game, so the game's off, the pitch is uh, fl- uh, uh, flooded. And um, But meanwhile, Warren Barton was there, just going through his spiel as far as like what he thought about kind of with this kind of uh, forced narrative about uh, what he thought about this, what he thought about that. Meanwhile, you're listening and hearing Warren Barton going like, Warren, you should be st- stop. Right. Either Rob Stone butt in or Warren Barton, kind of pay attention what, to what you're seeing on, on the screen. But there's something bigger that's happening here that uh, we should know about, which is basically the game is being cancelled because of uh, uh, a flooded pitch. And, and, and sometimes they just lose sight of kind of just the basics. They just, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those frustrating things for me when I, I watch the pre-match just because that's part of what I do in terms of... Uh, being a journalist, kind of covering and analyzing what they do, but it's such a frustrating experience because it's just basically talking heads and it's kind of an uh, all-boys club that just kind of cracking jokes between themselves. It's not funny. It's not really that informative. Yeah. But they have made some improvements. So I, I, I would definitely say that they've um, done some good things, but still it's still the same type of issues that they've had all along for many, many years. Well, in fairness to Fox, a couple things on that. One, uh, well, I, I agree with you completely, but one, keep in mind Champions League, there is a um, – you don't get to sell that many ads yourself, right? You have you have inventory from UEFA you have to right. run. So I, I think they may they make cut costs on production, honestly, when it comes to Champions League pregame and postgame shows. Uh, secondly, as far as analysts, I, I, we, we could talk about uh, their talent, Fox, but there is right now only one elite American com- co-commentator, and that is Taylor Twelman. He's head and shoulders above everyone else. Only one of the networks can have that one guy because there's one guy. Mm-hmm. And at t- right now in, in, in uh, Britain, in, in the U.K., before he took the Valencia job, there was one guy. It was Gary Neville. Uh, there, there at one time was one guy. It was Andy Gray that was seen at an elite level. Twelman is at that level among our commentators. So it's a little unfair to pick on Fox versus E. ESPN because they don't have uh, ESPN has 12 men and Fox doesn't. However, comparing them to NBC is a much fairer fight, and I mm. think we know NBC is much much further along in, in uh, 
how they cover the sport than foxes. Definitely, yeah, definitely light years ahead. So, so the next question is uh, from a uh, follower on Twitter. His name is Ian Jett, and Ian asks, uh, why does Fox make it so difficult to watch FA Cup first-round games? Uh, they put them on Fox Soccer to go, which costs mm-hmm. more money. And uh, Kotega, I'll answer this one. This one really comes down to um, the business side of things. And um, in terms of Fox Sports, so they're dealing with some major brands, whether it's Heineken or Pepsi-Cola, you you name it. But um, they're looking for basically kind of these big companies coming in and want to buy millions and millions of uh, basically kind of um, people who've been watching the matches. So millions and millions of impressions uh, showing that commercials during whether it's Champions League or in baseball, World Series, whatever it may be. So from the from the FA Cup first round, even though for we listeners, many of us are kind of nostalgic and kind of romantic, it's wonderful to watch. The the, the basics are is that you I mean in terms of the number of viewers to something like that, it might be even if you put it on FS2, you might get I don't know ten thousand people, may, maybe twenty thousand if you're lucky. Uh, versus they could run something else, whether it's you mean NASCAR or you mean a, a college sports or a rerun or something, and get a lot more viewers watching coverage like that and be able to then uh, uh, fill more impressions to, to basically kind of um, to basically sell more advertising. Uh, the, f- the faster they can sell the advertising, the quicker they can turn around and get more advertisers on board. So, so it's really kind of more of an economics point of view. Um, I, I would actually give a hats off to Fox for even showing the first round of the, the FA Cup. Um, I don't think they've done it much in the past before, but most of the games were on Fox Soccer to go. So the option was there, um, and it's something that I think uh, if someone is passionate about the FA Cup first round, at least there's an option to be able to watch it. Um, and I think some of the games were on Fox Soccer Plus too. But, um, but anyway, that, that, that's my, my take on it. I think uh, in this in this regard, I think Fox uh, made the right move and... Uh, kind of just putting the business first at least and then still making the, the games available to those who wanted to watch it either online or on uh, Fox Soccer Plus. And then Kartik, uh, an- another question from uh, one of our Twitter followers. This is uh, Robert, uh, known as uh, Sunny Socal Rob 25 on Twitter. And he asks you, uh, why does Fox Sports not cover soccer uh, on, the, on those talking head shows? And I think speak for yourself and undisputed or uh, those types of shows. He says that shows before and after soccer games act like soccer doesn't exist. Yeah, um, that's uh, that was a cultural thing at ESPN too for uh, ESPN also for years. When I say ESPN two, you might think I'm talking about ESPN two. <laughs> the network. Uh, it, it's something John Skipper had to correct. And had to go in and really kind of push. And I don't know if there's that guy at Fox pushing for soccer on these programs, because unfortunately we live in a world where the, the general instinct for, uh, for these American soccer reporters is to avoid mention of this sport and to talk about this sport. Now, they're not in touch with the younger generation of people who uh, who are watching the Premier League and who might even be watching Major League Soccer or, or their local club in NASL or USL. They're not, in, they're not in touch with those folks. They are in a world dominated by American sports kind of jockocracy, so to speak. That was Howard Cosell's word. And I, I still sense it. This is why, look, I mean, I sympathize with my uh, friends, the NASL and uh, these, these pro-rel people and everybody who, who, who have grievances against uh, Major League Soccer and against U.S. Soccer. However, 
I don't think soccer fans tearing down other soccer institutions is a good thing in this country, which is why I sometimes rally the MLS's defense, and it's because of specifically because of things like this. Because we can't even get our top league, which is supposedly being run like an American sports league, uh, with all these connected American sports personalities consistently covered on these shout shows, these sports shout shows. We can't get uh, the fact that uh, uh, Gashi, you know, Albanian international, of course, missed a sitter in the Euros, but scored this spectacular goal last night uh, to, to, to lift Colorado through against the LA Galaxy. Star-studded team with Gerard, Ashley Cole, Robbie Keane, Gio DeSantos. If anyone knows anything about the sport, they know those four names. Uh, we can't even get that on these shout shows consistently, right? Mm -hmm. Because... Um, there's just the dismissiveness of this of this league and this sport. And uh, half the time when they mention soccer, they want to make fun of soccer. So they uh, it's been forced at ESPN, although I think it's been forced with some resentment. Those guys would rather not have to deal with the uh, with the highlights they get from uh, from the Premier League or from from wherever. I, I think it's it's quite cultural. And this is uh, also maybe we've done a disservice to ourselves, Chris. This is something we can explore as we go further into this show in the coming weeks. Have we done a disservice by making making it that uh, with the exception of Rob Stone, we don't really have any crossover people doing sports, uh, doing uh these uh, other sports at the networks where uh, soccer is covered. Now, Rebecca Lowe has done some crossover now with Olympic stuff, right. but generally no. And uh, ESPN, it's all, I mean, no, nobody uh, on ESPN soccer team does any other sport. Yeah. T Taylor's done a, a little bit. So Taylor Twellman's done a few things on ESPN where I think he's done some like, uh, I don't know, quiz shows or kind of like almost right. like entertainment types of shows. Um, but but Rob Stone's the best example of somebody who's done a lot of crossover, everything. From... Even JP now, JP used to do a lot of hockey. Now yeah. I think he just does soccer games. Yeah, I think I think he might stu still do some hockey, but not not as much as he used to. But uh, but Rob Stone's probably the best example of where there is a lot of crossover between kind of the bowling and college football, and uh, who knows what, what other sports. He right, he does too. Um, yeah, but that's it. Uh, and Max, we've had we used to have Max Brader yeah. who does college football, does various other things, and and. Uh, Max is good to us. He still he still talks about West Ham a lot on his Twitter feed, even though he's not doing any soccer now. He yep. still he occasionally pops in and does soccer, but he'll 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 tweet the West Ham game. So it's at least one mainstream guy or a guy who's become mainstream, uh, who's remembering his origins and, and supports a, a team in England. And he's uh, from here in South Florida, from Coral Gables, our Argentine American. Uh, but. Other than that, there really aren't many guys. Right. Yeah, and with uh, Speak for Yourself and uh, Undisputed, the format of those shows, I, I can't even see soccer coming up as kind of uh, a topic. It's so NFL-driven and so so kind of, whether it's baseball or basketball. Um, you know I mean, if they started talking about soccer, I think I don't think it'd be that authentic um, unless something happened where it was, you mean... Hope Solo, I'll be warm back. You saw what happened when this clown, Mike Francesa, had to uh, read the promo for uh, NYCFC. I mean, this is this is what we still face in this country. There are yeah. people who live in a soccer bubble, including myself a lot of times, that don't realize that until something like that happens. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't bash MLS because they, they face it. They face this hostility, which is, again, maybe that's part of me that clouds my judgment when I say, oh, whatever. If the New York teams got eliminated, at least they'll be in my Markets where people care about uh, about the sport and the, and the team and the media won't be so hostile because the media in Orlando was not as hostile to the sport as the media in New York and the media in Kansas City is not as hostile to the sport as the media in um, in Los Angeles. I mean, when when David Beckham signed, 
And it's been 10 years or nine years. When David Beckham signed, there was so much hostility from the local media there. I mean, it was sickening. And there's still people who, who just mock the whole idea of the Galaxy and this, uh, this team that plays out in Carson. I hope LAFC is in their face and kind of forces them to change their attitudes since they're going to play downtown. Uh, maybe that's part of it, the Galaxy playing out in the hinterland. But uh, to, to um, answer Rob's question, I, I just uh, – I. I don't see much hope for that. I think it's generational mm-hmm. and we maybe 10 years from now as younger people who grew up with this sport and are, and are watching the Spurs games in the morning or, or the Arsenal games. And, and then maybe like a local team, maybe they, they, they bring that attitude and they're able to push, push the envelope a bit. Yeah. And, and, and what happens is that because those uh, topics aren't brought up on those types of shows and, and Fox really, at least on the television side, doesn't have a, uh, a soccer news program. Uh, what happens is then that, that when the soccer topics do come up, whether it's uh, Bob Bradley getting signed by Swansea or you mean uh, other t- similar types types of topics, um, maybe, maybe it's Christian Pulisic. That uh, Bob Bradley's probably a good example, but that that topic then is rolled over into the Champions League coverage, into the pre-match coverage, and even myself as a Swansea fan, I got kind of upset when they they took about fifteen to twenty minutes to cover Bob Bradley. Uh, on a day that should have been pre-match, talking about Champions League, all but the great matches coming up. It's very upsetting. It's very upsetting, though, that Bob Bradley getting this job in the Premier League hasn't gotten the kind of attention in the sports media. And, and this is, again, another wake-up call to people like me who live in a, in a uh, vacuum, in a bubble, that I, I thought it was going to be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And it was among us, among the soccer community, but, boy, I mean, these uh, uh, sports center and, and these uh, Fox programs, they didn't gave it maybe a mention it was uh it's it's a breakthrough for our country in the biggest sport in the world in the most watched league uh competitive sports league in the world Mm -hmm. and um no one seemed to care at at the sports editors and and these tv networks really sad yeah and i think part of it too it's huge as far as uh, i mean america america loves winners so, uh, you mean, if Bob Bradley goes on, on, on a run and Swansea all of a sudden start winning uh, four or five matches in a row uh, and he turns things around, kind of a, kind of a you know, I mean, basically kind of a, a relegation candidate moving up the table, you know, I mean, maybe then there's more of a kind of a, a sexy appeal that, that, that can translate to some of these other media outlets. But, uh, but so far, yeah, I've, I've been surprised too. Um, and I've seen the same type of thing, Kartik, where I thought there'd be a lot more exposure uh, outside of your NBCs and Foxes, but uh, there hasn't been thus far. So, so I want to uh, remind listeners to uh, this podcast too that if you do have any questions, and it doesn't have to be questions about Fox, it can be questions about anything in in regards to um, TV coverage, online coverage, uh, apps, also uh, or questions about uh, where to watch your soccer, uh, or how to question, or if you need some advice or uh, help, etc. Uh, or even if you're listening to uh, a broadcast and there's some amazing flub or kind of embarrassing flub by by the commentators, uh, we've all heard them. Uh, anything like that, just feel free to send those in and we'll go ahead and read those out on air or, or uh, play them on air. You can send them by email to web at worldsoccertalk.com for the email. Uh, you can send them on Twitter. Uh, we're at, at world, well, actually, at wsoccertalk on Twitter. And last but not least, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. And actually, Kartik, uh, they could also send some stuff to you too. Where, where can they find you on Twitter? 
You can find me at KKFLA737. Uh, I apologize at this moment for the excessive election coverage. We'll get back to a lot more soccer coverage after Tuesday and uh, all the occasional election, political, Brexit, historical tweets, all of that stuff. Uh, but uh, KKFLA737 on Twitter, you can DM me. My DMs are open, so you can uh, DM me anytime. So uh, we're going to move on to our last segment of this show, this first show, and it's going to be our featured topic of the week, and that is in regards to falling subscriber numbers. So ESPN, uh, as Kartik mentioned earlier, uh, lost 621,000 subscribers uh, from October to November of 2016. That is their worst month in their company history. ESPN has been losing subscribers uh, big time uh, throughout the year. It's not just this past uh, month. But um, personally speaking, other than the kind of Major League Soccer and your uh, occasional World Cup qualifiers coming up in in the international break, uh, of course there's Euro 2020 coming up. But ESPN has really kind of of, uh, basically kind of dropped back on their coverage or acquisition of TV rights in the soccer business. Fox has definitely taken the majority of big rights available, whether it's World Cups, um, et cetera. And I think it's one of those things that, of course, there's ESPN FC, The Daily Show, which, which Kartik, I know you're, you watch avidly, you're a big fan of. Yeah. But, um, but it is still, still, it's worrying times for ESPN. Um, I think it's sign of, sign of the times, too, maybe the, the beginning of the end. Uh, well, not, I wouldn't say end, but it's, it's definitely the beginning of kind of um, the period where we're going to start seeing subscriber numbers continue to drop as, as people look at well, that's, the stream. That's a lot. Well, that's a, that's a huge number for one month. And uh, um, I, I think uh, when we see a la carte cable come from some cable companies, that's going to come as we have these, these drops in numbers. And what we talked about at the outset of the show, that, that uh, close to 50% of uh, uh, cable subscribers, satellite cable subscribers, really the same thing, would uh, – would want to scale back on their program. Once programming, once you give a la carte and ESPN is $32, but all these other channels you like, even the lifetimes and the discoveries and the Nat Geos and these channels that the TLC, the channels I tend to watch history channel, or you could put them together and, and pay 32 bucks. Well, then you're probably going to drop ESPN. Yeah. Most people are. And I think that that's something they are facing. And Disney has has pushed back consistently against any – with their lobbying effort in front of Congress, Disney has been very uh, str- strongly uh, geared up lobbyist-wise to push back against any move towards a la carte cable pricing mm-hmm. with te- telecoms. In the t- but with the Commerce Committee in the House in particular in Washington. But – I think the day is coming at some point because it's just the industry is is um, is uh, taking a dump, and you're in a position where eventually the telecoms, AT&T, Verizon, uh, Comcast, the, the big ones, so those are the big three. Especially now, the Time Warner could be absorbed into uh, into AT&T. You're looking at a, a real possibility that uh, if they allow that merger, I'm hoping DOJ says no, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but um, if, if as you have these consolidations and these these companies are hurting, they are hurting relatively speaking. When you have a basic monopoly like these companies do, you really can't be hurting that much. But uh, I think there's going to be some changes in pricing, so that's that's bad. Uh, NBCSN lost 705,000 subscribers in 
uh, in, in, from October to November. Right. You know, yeah, same time frame, which, is, which, is, which is even worse than ESPN. I mean, that's, right. that's... start with less subscribers than ESPN. So that's yeah. that's really bad. Of uh, FS1 lost three hundred fifty-five thousand, uh, which is uh, which is bad also. And then BN Sports lost some, but then they gained some on the Espanol side, and they've been pushing some English language programming to the Espanol side. If if uh, you haven't noticed, but I think it's. Uh, uh, very, very bad um, for everybody uh, in the industry. I think what you're going to see is more and more illegal streaming mm-hmm. pop up. Well, I, well, I, I think actually that, that that's part of the equation that, that people haven't really talked much about too. Though I, I think actually the illegal streaming already is already at a place where um, it's starting to have a huge impact. And that's why we're kind of seeing some of these subscriber numbers uh, going down on the TV side. Yes, people are moving to kind of your Sling TVs and your PlayStation Views, etc. But I think what what's not been accounted for is the people that are watching um, illegal streams, and I, th- I think we we all are aware of it. I mean, to make to, to give you an example of how bad it is, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was just listening to a local uh, AM, actually it was FM talk show, and they had people calling in talking about different movies they'd seen, and somebody called in and say like, "Well, I, I just saw." I don't know if it was uh, Suicide Squad or something that was in the movie theaters. And they said, yeah, like, I just watch it at home. I have it on Amazon Fire. I've got this Cody, and I can just watch it for free. And they were debating on the show, like, well, is that legal or is that not legal? And I'm like, that is illegal. <laughs> that is not legal. But they had a discussion on the show, and, and it, it, there's just even your average Joe on the street, I think, is familiar with some of the illegal streaming options that are available and just as we hear about NFL numbers dropping and you know, Premier League numbers dropping in the UK, um, as well as um, TV networks numbers that are dro- dropping too, that's the part that people haven't re- been really talking about is, okay, well, I think, I think personally a large part of this is illegal streaming is having a big impact where people are watching these games, people are watching these programs, but they're watching it illegally. And if they're watching it illegally... Um, Nielsen doesn't know that uh, these people are watching it. They don't have the subscriber counts. Oh, the viewing counts. Uh, they don't have the sub- subscribers. ESPN's not seeing these numbers. So it's kind of this big black hole, and it's one of those things that um, it, it's it's whack-a-mole. You mean they're, they're trying to shut things down, but uh, it's it's getting worse, uh, not better. And I, and I wonder, Kartik, too. I mean, are we seeing kind of uh, is this a sports bubble that, that's about to burst? Because in terms of the TV industry, because what we're seeing now is that uh, in terms of a lot of these leagues, whether it's NFL or, or the Premier League too, I mean, it's costing billions for these TV networks yeah. to go ahead and yeah. acquire the rights. And they're buying, I mean, they're, they're, they're paying, I mean, years in advance to get these rights. But then I don't think they, they kind of uh, saw that these subscriber numbers would be dropping so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for ESPN, it's been... Really, the college sports have done it more than everything else, where the, the SEC, it's a 10- or 12-year deal. The Pac-12, it's a 10- or 12-year deal. ACC, the new deal, is is a 10-year deal, 12-year deal, something like that. Uh, they, these deals are longer. MLS had always gone on three-year deals. All of a sudden, it was an eight-year deal, right, seven or eight years. Uh, all of this stuff, uh, and, and that means you're shelling out more cash and you're contractually tied to this stuff. And there's very little way to kind of defer the costs. And and I think what um, the only solution to this is digital, mm-hmm. is uh, online content and ads 
selling ads on ESPN uh, three, watch ESPN on FS Go, FS uh, Sports Go, and then on uh, NBC Live uh, Sports Live Extra, and these sorts of things that um, it, that kind of offset some of the costs. I don't know if that happens uh, at some point. The revenue that the conferences are generating in college football, college basketball, may be so great that they're going to have to defer some of the costs. Maybe they're going to have to handle some of the production uh, for these events. Uh, I don't know, Major League Soccer, what they want to do. So it's um, it's uh, it's a tough time. And I think the, bu- I think the bu- bubble very clearly has burst, Chris. It's bursting. Okay, the next right. set of negotiations for rights are going to be significantly lower. The question is, how do the networks get through this? Because uh, until you get to that... Uh, that next negotiation of rights, you have to survive, and that's the question mark. If they survive to 2022 or 2024, I think costs then are, are more under control. You have less subscribers, but you're in a more digital model by then, mm-hmm. and things things will work itself out. But it's these next four or five years that are really critical in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And I, and I think it's one of those things, too. I think the pressure is on Nielsen, I think, in many, many regards, because uh, in terms of the way that uh, viewing numbers are calculated – it's not taking into, into equation, uh, at least not yet, uh, people watching it in bars or kind of watching it in public uh, areas. And on the digital side, too, in terms of you mean, uh, w- watching a, a typical game or whatever game it is, is uh, how accurate and how valid are those numbers on the digital side and on kind of the public viewing places? Are they being taken into consideration as those, those types of numbers increase uh, considerably while the TV numbers are going down? So I think Nielsen kind of needs to have more of a holistic number to kind of be to share um which was good which is going to boost across the board and at the same time too i think dealing with a lot of the illegal streaming issues and hopefully um trying to crack down on that to to kind of prevent that because ultimately it hurts the tv networks ultimately it hurts the leagues um and the players in terms of even less less tv money coming into into the business which ultimately i think is going to hurt, hurt us all so, Kartik, I think I want to go ahead and uh, kind of wrap things up. I think uh, this was episode one of the World Soccer Talk podcast. Uh, it's been a good journey down into the kind of the soccer media space. Uh, we've been covering the U.S. quite a bit uh, today, but it doesn't have to be, too. So if we have listeners from overseas in the U.K. or Canada, um, Australia, you name it, um, we definitely could uh, t- talk about topics like that um, in terms of coverage overseas. Also, if there's uh, certain things you want to talk about, have us talk about as a feature topic uh, coming up, let us know too. Uh, if you like the format or if you don't like the format, please give us some feedback, whether it's on social media uh, or iTunes, the reviews there. And uh, definitely keep the feedback coming because that, that's going to help us in terms of uh, understanding what you like and uh, some of the things that you'd like to see or hear from us. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode. And then, Kartik, I want to hand it over to you to uh, say the final words uh, before we say goodbye. So, everyone, enjoy your football, even though it's an international break. (laughs) Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.